So here I am back again on another podcast. Uh, something a little bit different than my uh, previous ones. And uh, this one is all about why one should uh, know a few words of Irish. A couple of as we say. And I came up with this theory uh, while explaining to my children why, and especially when you're abroad, one should know a few words of your own native language. And I've called the theory the Big Dirty Egypt Theory. An Amadon Morsalok Theory. And uh, I'll explain more as we go along. But that's the main thrust of this uh, particular podcast. We do a lot of travelling. My wife's from Germany. So for the past 25 years, I've done a fair bit of travelling in Germany. Both as a musician, playing gigs, going over and back. To play in Irish pubs and venues. And also to visit my uh, German in-laws. At least twice a year and uh, Germany has a brilliant train system works trains everywhere big cities small towns the uh, fa- fast trains regional trains S-bands undergrounds you name it they've got it and I've been on most of them travel Germany from Hamburg to Munich in the south and everywhere in between. And I love travelling on trains. And I've never been on a train in Ireland. Believe it or not. Have a car. Don't need to be on a train. But I've been thinking that one of these days, just to have it to say, I was on a train in Ireland. Make a train journey from somewhere to somewhere. But uh, just sticking with the trains for a moment. Normally, if we go to visit my parents-in-law in Germany, they live in a town called Pattenburg, which is northwest, close to the Dutch border, flat as a pancake. Usually flying to Hamburg, and uh, it's a train journey then from Hamburg going to Bremen, then you transfer to Bremen and you go over to Oldenburg and finish up in a town called Lear. And then from Lear there's a train south to uh, Pappenburg. Normally we get picked up at Lear, but you have lots of time on the train to relax, read, doze, sleep, dream, come up with crazy ideas. (laughs) And uh, one of the reasons, coming back to the language thing, okay, let's start off with Irish. So Irish, Gaelic language or native language, died out during the uh, colonisation by, by Britain. Died out or was forced to die out, you know, as part of your culture. So I suppose one of the things the invader does is try and... Um, destroy the culture of a nation, be it language and whatever. So Irish was forbidden at one stage, 
and the language wasn't being used anymore. English became the dominant uh, spoken word. Got to the stage where if you wanted to go anywhere or get a job or succeed, I suppose, you had to speak English. That would have continued to write up until independence was gained in 1922. When I went to school, and it's still the case, um, Irish is compulsory. When you go to primary school, as we started off there, a school called Dernikesh, down the road from us, I went to school, probably went to school in about 1964 or 5. So you learn Irish. It's compulsory. It's like, it's compulsory to learn English and compulsory to do maths. But I suppose one of the big problems, well, it's not a problem. You spend a lot of time, all your years in primary school and then you go on to secondary school and you spend another six years learning Irish in Gaelga. I was good at it. I we had a good teacher in primary school, a man called Paul McManus. And uh, when we went to secondary school, from our school, from our national school, Dernicash School, it had a reputation of their pupils being good at Gaelic, a good teacher. Then you went to secondary school, and then you had a variety of teachers. You you you. They change from year to year and from junior cert to leaving cert. And some of them are good and some of them are mediocre and some of them are a bit mad. And so the standard, I suppose, of teaching the language in a way deteriorated. I myself was good at it. I got an honour in the, in the leaving cert in Irish. There was only two of us in our year actually got an honour in in the Leaving Cert in 1978. I can write essays, speak, read texts and understand them, and I suppose, in a way, learning Irish is a bit like riding a bicycle. Once you do it, or learning any language for that matter, once you do it, even though you mightn't use it for a long time, when you start to use it again, um comes back to you pretty quickly. One of the main problems, I suppose, with the language being compulsory is that a lot of people didn't want to do it, didn't see the point in doing it, and had no interest in it, and maybe from that point of view, turned against the whole thing. So it was a waste of time and energy. In my own case, once I left secondary school, I had no more use for Irish language, bar, the fact that I'd studied and had a, had a basic grasp of it. Nowadays, yeah, children are still learning it. My own kids are bilingual, or is it trilingual, because um, they learn German, I think from the minute they're able to talk, their mother taught them German alongside English, so they're fluent in, in both languages and can switch between one and the other, especially when they go to Germany to visit their in-laws, who a lot of them have little or no English. 
I maintained an interest in the Irish language, I suppose, just from the point of view that if you look at, if you go abroad, you go to Germany, Spain, Italy, wherever, Middle East, people from those countries speak their own language. Ireland nowadays is uh, delightfully a multicultural society and you'll hear all sorts of languages being spoken and city streets and towns and restaurants and other places where people gather, people yapping away in their own tongues. And I was explaining to my children coming round now to the theory of the big dirty Egypt theory. I was explaining to them as to why it's just a good idea to have a grasp, basic grasp of your own native tongue, especially when you're abroad. And particularly if you're in Germany, for instance, that's the country I know best, I suppose, outside of Ireland. Most Germans certainly would have a grasp of English. They learn it now in school as a second language, I think. Maybe compulsory to learn English in German schools. So most Germans would have... Again, a basic grasp of English. Their English would be as good as my German, which is not saying a lot, but... I do my best studying from an app called du Duolingo. Duolingo. So, let's get on to the big dirty Egypt theory. And this is the way I explained it to my uh, children, who got a great laugh out of the whole thing. Let's say you're on a train. And it's a train in Germany, because that's where we are. Find ourselves quite a bit. And most of the train journeys are on last anywhere from two hours to maybe three. It depends where you're going. Sitting there, trying to kill time and think of things to be saying and things to be doing. So, you're sitting on the train. Seats on both sides. And you look over. See some fella sitting by the window, maybe on his own. Nobody else will sit beside him. For whatever reason, I don't know. And it's normally a man. I don't think I'd refer to a female as a big dirty Egypt. Now, in Irish sayings and terms, calling someone a big dirty Egypt, it's not particularly an offensive term. It's more of a funny, sort of witty type thing. You might say it to somebody you knew. You might be out having a crack with someone or a pub or some fellow you'd know well and you might meet them. Whatever. You, you might say, are you big dirty Egypt? What are you doing? What are you talking about? So it's not really what I would call a derogatory uh, term. You know, most people, especially Irish people, would, would take it uh, with uh, as a bit of a joke. 
But we're in Germany, right? We are in Germany on a train going from Hamburg to Bremen. It's off-peak, not too busy. It's a lot of empty seats and it's pretty quiet. So your man sitting opposite us on his own. He might have headphones on him or earbuds or might be reading the paper or just staring at his face. And I might say to one of my daughters sitting next to me, would you look at the big dirty Egypt sitting over there by the window? And as I said, a lot of the modern day younger German people that have a good grasp of English, so nine times out of ten he might hear you and nine times out of, out of ten he might understand what you were saying. And he mightn't be too impressed at all because he mightn't understand or appreciate the, that sort of Irish humour, you know. He might, mightn't like it at all and he might think to himself for a few seconds, who does he think he's calling the big dirty Egypt? He might get very riz. You know, the hackles might stand on the back of his neck. He might come over to you. And he might say to you in a broad, German accident, broken English, do you calling dirty Egypt? And if he was a, an aggressive type, you know, he might, he might let you have it. He might be, he could just hit you with a false box, catch you on the jaw, side of the nose. You know, he could knock you out. The inspector on the train would, would come running down, count to ten, and you wouldn't get up. Your lights would be out. And uh, your man would be just calmly walk back to his seat and, and do whatever he was doing beforehand, and you'd be blood spewing from your nose. You'd rather go ten rounds with Katie Taylor, you know. <laughs> so that would not be the desired outcome of your witticism and this is where the, the Kupla Fuckel Gaelica comes into the equation and so I'm explaining to my daughters right, that's the risk say that in English out loud, pointing at your man. Well, you wouldn't be pointing at him, but you'd be sort of nodding in his direction. He might understand. He comes over, hits you a wallop, knocks you out, causes all sorts of chaos and panic. And you're left with a bloody nose or a broken jaw or whatever. But if we can converse with each other in Irish. Now, 
if you say the same words in Irish, the chances that our German friend would understand them would be highly remote. In fact, I would doubt it, unless he was some sort of freak of a genius, of a scholar who, who specialised in ancient Celtic languages, but I don't think somebody like that you'd be even, you wouldn't be even thinking of calling them a, a big dirty Egypt. They wouldn't have the demeanour of a big dirty Egypt, if you get my drift. So I'm saying to uh, my daughter, and of course with their school education, they'd understand. Instead of saying, look at the big dirty Egypt sitting over there by the window, you say, Ferk Aaron Amadon Mor Salak in a he leshan inyog. And that's basically the translation. Look at the big dirty Egypt sitting over there by the window. He wouldn't know what you're saying. So that's basically the, 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 the reasoning behind the theory. You not find it in any school curriculum or Irish textbook or hardly being used by a... You'd hardly be here being used by Gaelic speakers in the Gaelic, Connemara or Donegal or wherever, Kerry. <laughs> That's basically the theory. I, I don't know. Um, but the point, I suppose, is it's nice to be able to a group of Irish people sitting on a train or in any situation abroad that you could speak a few words in Irish. You could be talking about the weather or whatever, you know, football or politics and just be able to know one that nobody else in the world understands you that's just my, that's it that's the theory of the the big dirty Egypt and Amazon Morisolic um, I find, I suppose as I get older I want to learn I want to reacquaint myself with the language and luckily we have um a TG car at, at an Irish language television station here on our TV network and it was established by our current president Michael D Higgins oh, I think it's 20 odd years ago or more and I watch it fairly regularly I watch rugby matches on it they show a lot of rugby games on uh, TG car from September right through to April, May, the rugby playing season. And the conversation is in, uh, the commentaries in Irish. And you pick up a lot of words, I find, when you associate a word with a movement that you can see in front of you. You know, Sheena Amah is a line out. Amach, the word Amah, means out. I'm going out. So Sheena, Sheena must be the line, line out. Clibbert, 
is the Irish word for scrum. Uh, Clibbert. I never learned that one in school now. Uh, go Cree, Johnny Sexton takes a kick. Penalty kick goes over the bar. Oh, go Cree. By Johnny. And I picked up one there not so long ago. It was a game, I think it was Connacht were playing Ulster or Leinster. And a Connacht player scored a try. Commenter says, Honig Sean Barna. He saw the gap. Dive for the line. Honig Sean Barna. And uh, you pick up, the words come back to you, you know, they come back to you. Duolingo is another app, a language app, and I've been doing German on it and I've started to um, actually do Irish as well with it, on it I find the Irish is pretty simple it, 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 it does come back to you pretty quickly so that's it um, that's the story for today and uh, that's my take on why Irish people should at least have a basic grasp of, of the language to be able to have a conversation core uh, amongst each other either at home or abroad or whatever that's it Tama Krikna Nish goodbye Slan Lat